Today's Daf Mesech is Daf Yud Beis. We're starting the bottom of Yud Aleph Mud Beis, three lines from the bottom of the page. It's really two parts of today's sugya. The first is a discussion about Kalev and Miriam, who were husband and wife, as we'll see. And <coughs> we're going to see from Divrei Ayam, there were many names used to refer to them, um, which are actually references to their good characters and Midos. We'll see about that. That's the first part, Kalev and Miriam. And really, it ties into the second part, which is really the birth and development. Uh, specifically, we're going to focus in on Moshe Rabbeinu being put into the Yamsuf, the Agam, which we're going to see is what it is, and uh, the story that developed from that, how uh, Miriam wanted to see what would occur. Basio removed him, or Bisio removed him, and uh, we'll see how the prophecy of Miriam actually ended up coming true. That'll be towards the end of the sugya today. So let's get started. Three lines from the bottom of Yud Aleph and Beis as Hashem. Let's jump right into it. So we actually left off yesterday discussing Kalev, and today the Gemara picks up discussing the fact that there are many names attributed to him. We have to validate exactly what his name was and what are descriptive terminologies. So the Pasuk tells us, Kalev ben Chetzrein hailedes Azuva Isha. Kalev ben Chetzrein gave birth to Azuva and Isha, Ve'es as well as Yerios. We're going to see Azuba and Yerios are both terms to describe Miriam, actually, because Hoylet is going to mean it was his wife. Ve'elaboneha, and these were her sons, literally. We're going to learn that it means descriptive terms for Kalev, Boineha. Yashar v'shoive v'ardon, ben Chetzron. Okay, so that's the puzzling of Now the Gemara says, one second, let's analyze who this Kalev fellow really is. First of all, ben Yefunehu. He's called ben Yefuneh. Um, Sefer Bamidbar is called Ben Yifuna, but the point is, is that in general he's called Kali Ben Yifuna. And the way we interpret that is, as we're going to see multiple references today, the fact that he averted, disagreed with, refuted the advice of the Miraglim who wanted to say Lashon Hara about the Jewish people, Kalev and Yeshua notably, who were two of the righteous Miraglim, didn't, didn't go along with that. And Yifuna comes from that terminology as well. Ben Shepona Meatzas Miraglim is that he turned away from the advice of the Miraglim. So it's a, it's, a, it's a descriptive terminology. But Ba'akati ben Kenazu, he's also called the son of Kenaz. Because in Shoftim, when it talks about his brother, Kalev's brother, it says, Asniel ben Kenaz, Asniel ben Kenaz conquered them, certain cities, uh, villages. Achi <coughs> Kalev, who was the brother of Kalev. And Asniel is called ben Kenaz. So the implication is that Kalev's also the son of Kenaz. Rav Rav explains, Chargo de Kenaz Hava. This Kalev was actually the stepson of Kenaz. So now let's just backtrack for a second. Kalev's father's name was Chetzron. He's called Ben Yefune because he turned away from the advice of the Miraglim. And as the third Pasuk implies, he's also called the son of Kenaz, not because he was actually the son of Kenaz, but he was the stepson of Kenaz, meaning after he was born, his father passed away, or divorced his mother, probably passed away, I'd say, and his mother remarried a fellow whose name was Kenaz. Turning to you at Bezimut Aleph now, Teikonami, and the Gemara says you can also imply this because when it describes Kalev in Sefer Yeshua, it says HaKenizi. It calls him the Kenizi, not the son of Kenaz, but he was from the Kenizi family because even though his father's name was actually Chetzron, and again, Yefuna was the descriptive term that he turned away from the advice of the Miraglim. Kenaz is the name of his father-in-law, so he was raised in the Kenizi family. That's why it's called Kenizi Shmamina. Very good. Continues the Gemara. The Pasuk told us that first Pasuk in Divrei Yom that we quoted, 
Azuva, that there was a woman that literally it says he gave birth there, but it says her name was Azuva. Azuva zu Miriam. She was called Azuva. Why was she called Azuva? This was his wife. Shakol Azvua Mitchila says, we'll see momentarily, initially, Miriam was sickly, and many people didn't want to marry her. They left her because she didn't have a pleasant appearance. Hoylitz, the Gemara says, one second, why is why is uh, why does it say that he gave birth to her? Luchair, he married Miriam. Valoi Mintsev Havanasiv he was married to her. So Ravyochan Ravyochan says, anyone that marries a woman for the sake of heaven, because of her good deeds or her good character and the children she would bear, the righteous ones, it's as if he gave birth to her. Rashi explains over here because we know that the halacha is that when you look to marry a woman, you check her brothers, because that will be the product of the Marriage. So in this case, he looked at Moshe and Aharon, even though she wasn't maybe healthy in appearance, he still married her. That's considered L'shem Shamayim. And therefore, it's as if he gave birth to her, which is based on this Maimar Chazal. Uriah, the Pazak also calls Miriam Uriah. Why is it called that? Shahayu Panah, Daimonly Uriah, because her face had a sickly pallor. Rashi learns without color. She didn't have a ruddy color, a healthy complexion when she was sick, when he married her. And these are the ones, this is part of the Pasuk. These are her sons. So, it means her builder is referring to her husband. These are descriptive terms for her husband. What were the terms in the Pasuk? Yashar, why is he called Yashar? He straightened himself, means he acted in the most appropriate way. Again, these are also terms in regards to not making the same mistake as the rest of the Miraglim. As you see a constant reference over here that the greatness of Kalev was that he didn't go along with the Atzas Miraglim. The opposite is that he, he pushed against them. He went in the opposite direction. It seems to be that there was a great taiva to follow along with them and Kalev managed to straighten, to, to stay away from them and this is a great shevach for him. Shoivav, why is he called Shoivav? Sheshivav es Yitzray, that he rebelled against his Yitzray, his inclination to follow with the Miraglim, instead rebelled against against it. Va'ardon, why is he called that? Sharodas Yitzro, he beat down his Yitzer again to follow along with the Miragli. Vigadami and others say, Al his face was like a rose. I guess he had a very healthy uh, complexion. Now the Gemara says that in the opposite, this is as well, referring to Kalev, the father of Ashkar, the father of Takoa, Hayushte Nashmi had two wives, Chala'a Vinara. So let's go through this again, referring to Kalev and uh, Miriam. Ashkor's Kalev. Uh, Ashkor's a reference to Kalev. Why was it called Ashkor? Rashi learns his face became dark and sickly because of fast days. Rashi says because he accepted fa- many fast days so that he wouldn't be drawn into the advice of the Miraglim. Uh, meaning apparently the schus of those fast days would prevent this from occurring. Avi, he was called the father. Shenase Law means it's really the father of Miriam. What do you mean the father of Miriam? He married her. Shenase Law Ka'av, he was like a father for her, Rashi says over here. He was involved in her afuas and mezainas that were necessary for her as a sick person. Takaya, it's a of connected. He connected his heart to his father in heaven and didn't follow along with the miraglim. The Pasuk says that he had two wives. Really, they're both a reference to Miriam. Miriam, Nasa Miriam, Kishte Nasa. Miriam became like two different women based on her illness and then health. Chalav and Na'ara, as the Pasuk says, sickness and Na'ara means youthful or healthy. Not that she was really two women. 
<coughs> meaning it wasn't two different women actually. Chala and Nara, Ela Betchila. Initially, Chala Ashi was sick when he married her, as we said, Lashem Shemayim. Ela Betsef Nara, and afterwards she became healthy when he caused her to become healthy through all the refuos. Pasuk continues, The sons of Chala were Tzaras Fetzayar Ve'esnan. Now we understand these aren't actually children she bore, but rather references to Miriam herself. Tzaras, why is she called Tzaras Shenasis Tzara L'chavra She became competition to her friends, meaning she became beautiful and she became com- uh, com- competition to the beauty of that of her friends. Zohar literally means the afternoon. Shehayu Paneha Daimen Kitzarayim. Her face became like the shine of the afternoon sun. Beautiful. Esnan, she was called Esnan, which is literally the gift to give a prostitute to have relations with her. Because anyone that saw her, had such a taiva for Mishkav with his wife, with, uh, for women, as she says, he brought a gift to his wife to have relations with her. Now, I have a shtigal kash over here, I just want to point out. Earlier in Davchesem Aleph, when we were resolving a steer in Rav Yehuda, we said that there's a tradition, Gemiri, and from that we derive that if a man sees a woman, his desire for her will not compel him to be with a different woman. So if she's going to die, it's not an issue of hirhur. The Gemara here is mashma that when he saw Miriam, he would want to give a gift to his wife to be with her, which seems to contradict that yesoid. I'll leave this as a kasha, but as Hashem will come for some terrence. Back to the story at hand. Let's get to the Gezeris now. Paro commanded his entire nation. Even on his nation, he decreed that his the children should have to die. Now we're going to explain that in a moment. explained as follows. There were actually three decrees. <coughs> Rashi, just sorry, one point is, Afalama Gaza, Rashi explains over here um, that Darash Rabbi Tanchuma, quotes are interesting, Medrash Tanchuma, we're going to see this later, really, in the Gemara, that the day Moshe was born, the stargazer said the savior of the Jews was born. We don't know if he's a Mitzri or a Yehudi. So, Paro got up and he gathered all of his nation and he asks them, to give all, they asked them to give all of the children born that day, and he even decreed on them. Now, based on the next Gemara, we're going to see actually there was a progression. So let's see this inside. Power decreed three different decrees. Initially, initially he decreed if the son was born to the Jews, the child would have to die. Rashi says he didn't put Shoimrim, he just relied on the maidservants, now, uh, the, the uh, midwives, excuse me. And uh, like we learned earlier, those midwives didn't carry out the mission, and the boys weren't killed. After that, any child that was born was to be a son that was born was to be thrown into the um, the yamsuf. Now she explains over here. Um, means he appointed uh, guards to take care of it. And then the third situation was Afal Amal Gazar, also on his nation, he decreed like we explained above. So meaning the first sheet of Lechara was saying the third step. And Rashi just explains based on the next Gemara, once that day passed and the Itzdagninov still saw that Moshe hadn't died, the decree remained until the day that Moshe was put into the Or, as we'll see momentarily in the next Talmud, is three months later. 
Now let's go back to the story of the birth of Moshe Rabbeinu. A man from the house of Levi went. You know, it's actually referring to Amram marrying Yocheved, who was his aunt, and being the father and mother of Moshe Rabbeinu. Let's see. Now where did he go? He went with the advice of his daughter Miriam. Tana. So the Gemara explains. The Brisa clarifies. Amram, Amram, the father of Moshe Aaron and Miriam, was the Godoladar, leader of the generation. Kivan Shegazar, the Girsa here is, Kivan Shegazar once par decreed, because of par arash, which was the second Gazar, like explained above, that all boys that were born had to be thrown into the river. Amram said, We're exerting effort for naught, meaning there's no point in us bearing children if they're going to die. So Ahmad Vigirish Asishtu, he got up and divorced his wife, Yocheved. And so all of the generation got up and divorced their wives because they said if that's the God Ador is doing based on what he sees fit, we're going to do the same thing. So Amra Loi Bita Miriam turned to her father Amram and said to him, Abba, Kasha Gezera Secha Michel Paro. Your decree is worse than that of Paro. Shaparo the Gazer al Ascharim. Paro only made a decree to kill the, the male boys, the, ma- the male children. Your decree makes it that even females aren't born. Paro's decree is only in this world because those children that are born are going to die and go to They're not even born to go to Paro Rasha, his decree could potentially last, could potentially not last. It's a suffix. You're a tzaddik, and with certainty your gezerah, your decree will last. Shinemar, as the Pazak in Eov tells us, is that when it comes to a tzaddik, it says he makes a decree and it will uh, it will survive, it will last. So Amram heard this Eitzah, and he said, to, he said, okay, good, I accept. He got up, he remarried Yocheved. And the whole generation got up and married, remarried their wives. Pazik tells us, It says, He took Maria, he took Yocheved, remarried her. Based on the story, it was a remarriage, not a first marriage. So why does it say, That he did the actions of marriage, means he redid the entire ceremony and process of marriage as if it was the first marriage. He sat, Yocheved, his wife, in a fancy chair. Aaron and Miriam, who were the children born from the first time they were together, they would dan- danced in front of her. Malachi Ashoris Amru and the heavenly angel said, Ema Banim, the mother of children, Smecha should rejoice. Continues the Gemara, the Pasuk tells us he married Esbas Levi, the daughter of Levi. Now, based on Cheshbon Efshar Bas Mevishloshim Shonavya, we know that she was actually 130 years old. Is it possible that a 130 year old, the Karla Bas, and the Pasuk calls it a Bas, Bas is Mashma youth? How do we know she was 130? We know that this is a reference when it talks in the Psukim um, <coughs> about 70 people in Mitz- that, that descended to Egypt in, with the, from the family of Yaakov. So the 70th is not listed. And the Gemara says, teaches us the 70th was Yocheved. That the Pregnancy was actually during travel. But the wife of Levi only gave birth to her between the walls. So therefore, as she explains, she's the one that's mashlim the number of 70 without being listed. She was born to Levi in Mitzrayim. So her birth was in Egypt, but the pregnancy 
inception was not in Egypt was prior to that. So asks the Gemara Lachari no then, based on the story, Moshe was 80 at the time of Yetzias Mitzrayim, which means she was 130 when she gave birth to him. How could it call her bus? Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Huda answers, naros. She redeveloped Simone Naros, the signs of youth. Rashi says she returned to her youth by Reach Kenoshim, Nida, and Tyrponim, Akmatim. She lost her wrinkles, etc. She developed, redeveloped her signs of uh, youthfulness. Continues the Gemara, the Pasuk tells us, Vatara Isha. So Yocheved became pregnant. A tailored bench, she gave birth to a, a son, which was Moshe. The Gemara, we're going to see later that actually she was three months pregnant already prior, meaning from the first time she was with Amram, and when he remarried her, she was three months pregnant. So, she was three months pregnant already. Now, the Gemara, the I just want to point out, this seems to go with the Shita. She was three months pregnant at the time that he remarried her. She gave birth. Um, to a full-term pregnancy, and the Mitzrayim didn't catch on for three months because she was three months pregnant prior. The Gemara, uh, there is a shita brought elsewhere. I believe Rashi and Chumash brings a different shita, which is she gave birth to Moshe at six months. We'll see this later, but the Gemara here seems to go with that shita that she was three months pregnant prior uh, when when uh, Amram remarried her. She was three months pregnant. So ask the Gemara Lachar, then why does it mention her pregnancy in the remarriage? It's to compare her birth which is usually painful, to her conception. Just as conception is without pain, so to her birth of Moshe was without pain. From here we derive that the righteous women, like Yocheved, were not included in the curse of Chava, meaning that they wouldn't have to give birth with suffering. Now when she was born, she saw that he was good. Taifu, Tanya, Rameir, Aimer says different sheet is what his name was. Rameir says Taif Shmai, his name was Taif. Rabbi Yudah Aimer Tovya Shmai, his name was Tovya. Rabbi Nechemya Aimer Hagulanavius that he was fit for prophecy. So Taif is a, is a lashon to use in in regards to Moshe. Acherem Aimer Noilad Kishu Mahul, he was born when he was Mahul already with a bris milah, so he was called good. Vachachamim Aimerim Bishash and Elin Moshe when Moshe was born, Nismali Abayas Kulei Ar, so she was able to tell that there's something very good about this because the house became filled with light. How do we know that? Because Ksiv Achvatero Isaiki Taivu, she saw that he was good. Ksiv Hasim and it says. In my it calls light good, so you see the house was filled with light. Thus, this term is also applicable here to Moshe Rabbeinu's birth. And the Gemara continues, She hid him for three months in the house, as we explained, because the Mitzrayim would only count from the moment that she remarried him. But in fact, she was pregnant three months before, from Amram already, so therefore they only came nine months later, even though he was born six months after she remarried Amram. That's why she could hide him for three months. But the Pasuk says, She couldn't hide him anymore. Why couldn't she continue to hide him? Wherever the Mitzrayim heard that a child was born in a Jewish house, they would bring the children there, their own babies there, so that the other babies would hear the crying of their own babies, and the other babies would cry out, thus revealing their position. As the Pazik in Shirashirim says, They have grabbed for us young foxes, which is a reference to this idea that they used to do to uh, find where Jewish babies were when they knew that a baby had been born. 
So the Gemara tells him she can no longer hide him. She took Tevas Goyme. Goyme is a type of wood. It's a cheap wood. Why did she use that wood specifically? A box of Goyme. Sadikim, uh, she was stingy. That's <laughs> a simple shot. That their uh, money is more beloved to them than their own bodies. So she used this cheap material to put Moshe inside of it. Why is that true that they're so uh, they're more careful about their money than their own bodies? Because they don't stretch out their arm in regards to Gezel. Now, obviously, this needs an explanation. She wasn't threatening Moshe's life in a dangerous sort of carrier because she was cheap, but uh, that is a simple pshat. Meaning people that tzaddikim are so careful when it comes to geneva, the gzela, they're not, they're not stealing, and they know that HaKadosh Baruch will take care of them, so therefore she used the cheaper material. Rabbi Shmuel Bar Nachmeni, Omer Shmuel Nachmeni says, Davar Rach, actually this goyme was for a different reason, it's a flexible material. That it's able to withstand something that is flexible as well as harsh, meaning if it bangs into things it won't break. And she coated the uh, teva, this little ark of Moshe, in chemar and zephes. Now these are both uh, plaster-like materials. Zephes has a very bad smell, though. It's the byproduct of olives, I believe. And uh, it's a very bad smell. Chemar, I believe, it is a, um, a, like a plaster-like material. So Tan, the Raisa explains why did she use both of these. Chemar mibifnim, she put the plaster inside. Vezephes mibachutz. And the zephes, the uh, foul-smelling zephes, was outside. So that tzaddik, wouldn't have to smell this negative smell. Now, the Pashtas, I would have learned, it means that the outside, the external part of the table was coated with zephes, and the internal was coated with, coated with chemar. Taisus does not learn that way, though. Taisus quotes... Uh, Pirish Rebbe Vishem Rebbe Shimon Bar Kloinimus Zeve Zeve Teva. They were both inside of the Teva. The Chemer was used to coat the Zephes, which was used to seal out the water inside of the Teva. Outside, however, um, outside, however, she didn't put Zephes at all, so that the Mitzrim shouldn't be able to see this. Meaning she used Goyme because it could blend into the reeds in the Yamsuf, and therefore if she would have put something outside, some sort of binding material, some sort of a plaster or this pitch, it would have been visible. And she didn't want it to be visible, apparently. Okay, that's what Taisus learns anyways. Continues the Gemara Vatasem Yeled. She put the child inside of this box, Vatasem Besuf, and she put it in the Suf. Belazer Omer Yamsuf. Belazer says it was the Yamsuf. Rabbi Shmuel Bar Nachmani Omer turning to Yehuda's Medayis Agam. It was a swamp. Kedushiv, like we find in Yeshaya, Kana Vesuf Kamalo reeds and Suf, referring to a swamp. It withered. The point is, is that she put it into some sort of a a still body of water, like a swamp. Okay, now let's get to the salvation of Moshe. Vatered Bas Parler Chotzali, or the pasuk tells us the daughter of Paro Basya or Bisya. She went to. Uh, Bathe by the water, by the river. She wasn't just time taking a bath, but she was going to be toivel for Geros to cleanse herself from the idolatry of her father. Like it says in Yeshaya, Hashem will wash away the dirtiness, um, the excrement, literally, of the daughters of Zion, referring to the Ravai Zara. It says her Na'arais were going, her maidservants. What does it mean, Halchais? Amr Vyechanan, and Ali Chazu Elashan Misa, it's a language of death. Like Esav says, 
I am going to die, I'm going to sell the Bechaira. The point is, is that we find that they were killed. What does it mean they were killed? We'll see momentarily because they tried to protest. Gavriel killed them. She saw the Teva, this little box of Moshe inside of the Suf, either the Yam Suf or the Swamp. When she wanted to save the uh, Teva with Moshe in it, Amrullah, so her maidservant said to her, Kviraseinu, our mistress. Minhagoshalaylam, the general custom in the world is, Melech Basavadam Gazer Gazer, if the king of flesh and blood makes a decree, Im Kalaylam Kulay and Mekaimenaisa, even if the rest of the world doesn't fulfill the decree, Banu Bubne based in Mekaimenaisa, at least his children, his family will fulfill it. Vata Veras al Gazeras Avicha, and you're transgressing the gezerah of your father means this is a Jewish baby clearly in the water l'chaira. and based on that the Gemara says how could you take it out they were saying there's a bug of real came along um, and he, they, he knocked them into the ground he killed them fine so the Pasuk then tells us uh, she sent her ama and she took the table with Moshe in it there's a machlaik is what this ama is a reference to Rabbi Yudav Rabbi Nechemia so one says she sent her hand and she grabbed the teva with her hand. The other says it was her shifcha, ama, lashon of maidservant. The one who says it was her hand, amasa could refer to her ama, which is a reference to her arm. Because the Torah doesn't say Yada, he uses the strange word of Amas. Obviously, it's referring to her maidservant. But according to that Shita, it says it was her maidservant. We said that Gavriel killed them, so how could she have sent a maidservant? And for the Gemara, he left one maidservant for because it wouldn't be appropriate for her, as the daughter of the king, to be left without assistance. Asks the Gemara, Lamanda Amar Yad, according to the sheet who says it was her hand, Lichtov Yada, why didn't it say her hand? And the Gemara, Kamash Malan, teaches us the Ishtarve Vishtarvuve, Amma's reference to that fact that her hand stretched. This is what's famously taught in uh, elementary school and preschool. You do projects about this, that her hand stretched many Amos in order to reach Moshe Rabbeinu. The Amar Maraz, as the the master taught, you find that the hand of the daughter of Para stretched in order to reach Moshe's teva. We also find by the teeth of Rishoyim, notably as Rashi says here, the Gemara and Brachas teaches us that when O came to fight against the Jewish people, he picked up a mountain, the ants drilled a hole in it, it fell on his head, he couldn't take it off because his teeth extended into it, and the Jews were able to kill him. The as the Pasuk tells us, Shina Rishoyim Shibarta, literally means smash the teeth of the wicked, is the teeth of the wicked stretch, which is a reference to that story. Okay. She opened up the box, the um, this little teva, and she saw the child. Now the pasuk says vatirehu. She saw him. It could have just said she saw eshayel the child. It could have just said vatero. Why does it say vatirehu? It's much but she saw something else too. She saw the shechina along with Moshe Rabbeinu. That's the pshat as we said earlier. When it says, which you would know what would happen at the end, that's the reference. The Shekhinah was totally involved in this process. It says the child was crying. Now, Nar is an, uh, an older child. So, he calls him Yelid, which is a younger child. 
Bikarilei, and it also calls him Nar. Yeah. So the Gemara says, is, why does it call him both terminologies? Tana, so the Brahisa taught, who yelled Vikarilei Kinar. He was a baby, three months old actually, but his voice was like an older child, Divra Rabbi Yehuda, like a youth. You made him like a balmum, balmum. You made him like a uh, maimed person. Uh, Rashi explains over here, really, it's not just Stamakasha, but it's a, a specific question because he's a levy of a nifsal bekoila avoidus hashir. You wouldn't want to invalidate him as a levy from performing the service of the shir in the Beis Mikdash, the singing. So El of the Gemara says, what's the pshat rather, says Rabbi Nechemya? His mother made for him a covering for the youth when they would get married, as if it was like a chupa of marriage, beteva. Amra, she said, maybe I won't merit to see his chupa. I don't know what's going to happen with him. So therefore, it's called a na'ar in, in the reference to that idea that she made this chupas ne'urim, but really he was a, a yelet, obviously. Okay. Continues the Gemara. So she had mercy on him, and she said, "This is from the children of the Ivrim of the Jews." How did she know? How did Basya know? Because she saw that he had a bris mila. Very easy. Now, why did she say ze specifically? What is that teaching us? So it's a miut actually. She prophesied without realizing it. This is the last one to fall. None others will be thrown into the river. And the idea of that was because now the, the Egyptian uh, necromancers prophesied that that child that was meant to be the Mashiach was put in the water. Now they didn't realize that he was saved. They thought he had died and therefore they were mevatel the gezerah so no other Jewish boys were thrown into the water. As we learned earlier. What does it mean when the Pasuk tells us in Yeshaya, when they say to you, seek out the oivas these different forms of idolatry to foretell the future. Those that chirp and call out. What does it mean? It's, it's making fun, actually. So the Gemara explains the Pshat in the Pasuk. They chirp and they don't know what they're chirping. They call out that they don't know what they're calling out. What does it mean? Initially, they told Paro, we know that the Savior of the Jews will get stricken, stricken by water. Which was actually, if we remember before, the second decree that all Jewish boys have to be thrown into the river. Three months after he was born, he was put into the water. So Amr, they said to Paro, we don't see this uh, astrology sign anymore. So this sign. They nullified the decree. But they were, they were foolish. They didn't realize like that it's true. Moshe was going to be stricken through water. But that was the famous story of the Meimarivo. And Moshe struck the rock like he was going to later in his life. But not to say that he had actually died. Based on this idea, what does it mean when the Pasuk teaches us, those were the Meimariva that caused contention. It's a reference to the fact that those, that really was what the Yitzhagini Paro, the necromancers of Paro, had seen. The toe, but they didn't realize they made a mistake because they thought it was the fact that he had been thrown in the water earlier, but really it was only later that he was uh, decreed not to go into Eretz Yisrael, etc., because of the Meimariva for striking the rock in later years. Moshe, and that's what it means when Moshe Rabbeinu says, Sheish Elef Ragli, my leg is 600,000, referring to the fact that he saved 
all of the Jewish people. What does it mean? You were all saved because of me. Once I was put into the water, none of the boys after that were had to be thrown into the water. So essentially, it's because of me that the rest of the Jewish populace was saved. And there's a machlekes what day it was when Moshe was put into the water. It was the 21st day of Nisan. The heavenly angel said in front of Hashem, Rabbi Shalom, the master of the world, Moshe Rabbeinu, who's going to say Shira Layam B'yoyim on this day, at seven days after leaving Egypt. Should he die on this day? And Rabbi Yachav, Rabbi Hanina, Amar differently. He says, It was actually the sixth day of Sivan. The heavenly angel said in front of Hashem, the master of the world, The one that's going to receive the Torah on Sinai on this day, on the sixth of Sivan. Should he die on this day? So says, wait a second, let's analyze this. We said that it was three months when he was put into the Yamsuf. So, or the Agam. So, Bishlam Alamad Amr Bishisha Bishivan. If you learn that it was the sixth of Sivan, he's put into the Yamsuf. So, Mishkachas Lagim Yarchi. There's three months there. The Amr Mar Bishiva Badr, Mesa Bishiva Badr, Nolan Moshe. We know Moshe died and was born on the seventh of Adar. The Gemara Megillah tells us that. From the 7th of Adar, that's Adar to Nisan, Nisan to Iyar, Iyar to Sivan, till the 6th of Sivan is Tlas That makes sense, three months. But if you hold that it was the 21st day of Nisan when he was put into the Yamsuf, how do you have three months? It's much less than that. It's only going to be uh, from the 7th of Adar until the 21st of Nisan is uh, just over a month and a half, let's say. Not even a month and a half. So the Gemara explains, The Gemara answers, That year Moshe was born was a leap year. So he was born in the first Adar Rishon on the seventh of Adar. Rubai shall Rishon. So you have most of Adar Rishon. Rubai shall Acharon. Most of the second one because he was, uh, of Nisan, excuse me, because he was put into the Yams of the 21st of Nisan. In the middle month, which was uh, Adar Beis, you added its entirety. So it's called three months, even though it was actually less. It was more like two and a half. Okay, the story continues. So Miriam, who had been watching, like we said earlier, now she sees Basya take Moshe out of the water. So she goes over to Basparo. Should I call a Jewish woman to nurse this child? So the says, wait a second. Why was it that she highlighted a Jewish uh, uh, from the Jewish women? So it teaches us, Basya had tried to have Moshe nurse from all of the wet nurses of the Egyptians. Cool and all of them, and he wouldn't nurse. And Omer, the Gemara says, the, the, the side adds in, because Hashem ordained this. He said, The mouth that's going to speak with the Shechina, could he nurse from Dover Tame, from a Goya woman who eats not kosher food? That's impossible. Like the Pasuk tells in Yeshaya, who teaches uh, wisdom? And the way we expound it is, who is going to be taught Das? Uh, Wisdom, and who will understand Shmua, the Torah, that which was weaned from the milk, and removed from the breast. Meaning Moshe Rabbeinu, his mouth was tahor; he was never, he never nursed from the non-Jewish uh, Mitzrios uh, wet nurses. He's the one that was right to receive the Torah to learn from Hakadosh Baruch Hu. So the Gemara says the pasuk continues. So the daughter of Paro said, "Lechi, go." It says, Sorry, it's based on that. The, the, the side adds it in. And the Alma went. Alma is a young girl. So she, it says she went like a uh, young girl. She went with Zrizis like a young girl. Zrizis ka'alma. It can also mean hidden. What does it mean? 
Alma she hid her words, meaning she didn't say this is the baby's mother, she did it in a surreptitious way, and it ended up being that Yochebed was able to nurse Moshe Rabbein. Take this child and uh, take care of her. Amar Bichamber Bichanina, Misnava Veniadas, Ma Misnava. That, that uh, the daughter of Paro prophesies without even realizing. Hey, Lichi, what does that word mean? Ha, Shelichi, this is actually yours. Meaning, I'm returning what's yours to you, and you were able to nurse him, Yochevet. And not only that, but she said, I'll pay for it. Not only do the righteous get back their lost objects, they even get paid. Which in this case, she got back her baby and she was even paid to nurse the baby. It says later, when they go out of Mitzrayim, after the miracles of, by the Yamsuf, the do, uh, Miriam, the sister of Aharon, took the drums and uh, started to play the, the tupim, the mcholos, for all of the people. But it says she was specifically the sister of Aharon. Was she not also the sister of Moshe? Why does it highlight then that she was the sister of Aharon? She prophesied when she was the sister of Aharon, turning to Yedgim Alamed Aleph, years before. And she said 80 years before, to be exact, actually. Yeah. That's when she prophesies, when she was only the sister of Aaron, because Moshe hadn't been born yet, that my mother's going to bear Moshe Rabbeinu, who would be the savior of the Jewish people. Like we learned earlier, when Moshe was born and the house became filled with light, your prophecy seems to be coming true. But once they put him into the uh, the, the river, Amram struck her on her head. Amram said to her, What happened to your prophecy? And that's why, as we learned earlier, the, the Pasuk tells us, She stood from afar to know to know what would be with him, what would be with her prophecy at the end, because she knew it would come to fruition. She just wanted to see what would occur. And as we learned above, Basya takes him out, Yochavah nurses him, and as Hashem will stop here, and we'll pick up tomorrow, Towards the top of Yigimel Amit Aleph, again, further analyzing uh, the Mishnah, Yosef Zachab, as Hashem will pick up with that tomorrow. Everyone have a wonderful day.